No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the Lord describes the creature Leviathan. There is nothing else like him. What is this mysterious and invincible creature? We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 41 on Simply the Bible. The Bible is full of mysteries, and should that really surprise us? For God is mysterious, and I'm thankful for that, because if I thought I could fully understand the mighty one who created the universe out of nothing, wow, I would be very concerned. So today we come to a mysterious creature called Leviathan. Bible commentators disagree on what that is. Some say it's a crocodile, but God's description of Leviathan doesn't match up with any crocodile I've seen. Others say it's merely a mythological creature and not real. But why would God describe a creature that is unreal when he has been describing other creatures that he made that we know lots about? And yet there is something very unique about Leviathan that transcends the animals you would observe at your local zoo. Today, we will delve into this mystery and seek to understand why God ends his epic speech to Job with this creature, Leviathan. Job chapter 41. Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook? Or snare his tongue with a line which you lower? Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many supplications to you? Will he speak softly to you? Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take him as a servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you leash him for your maidens? Leviathan was known as a sea serpent. Like the Loch Ness Monster, it was the creature legends were built around. No doubt it was the subject of many sailors' tales. It appears in other places in Scripture. As the prophet Isaiah comforted Judah regarding the Lord's future salvation for them, he said, In that day, the Lord with his severe sword, great and strong, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, that twisted serpent, and he will slay the reptile that is in the sea. The psalmist Asaph wrote about God delivering Israel from the Egyptian bondage. And he said in Psalm 74, 13, you divided the sea by your strength. You broke the heads of the sea serpents in the waters. You broke the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gave him as food to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Now here, Leviathan seems to be symbolic of Pharaoh and his army captains who were drowned in the Red Sea. But then Psalm 104 seems to speak of Leviathan as being a real creature. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. This great and wide sea in which are innumerable teeming things, living things both small and great, there the ships sail about. There is that Leviathan which you have made to play there. Now I don't understand why people don't believe that this creature could have existed in times past. I mean, don't we believe in dinosaurs? 
Now, the point God is making to Job in these first five verses of chapter 41 is that it is impossible for Job to subdue Leviathan. He can't catch it with a line or hook. He can't make it work for him as though he would throw a rope around it and make him pull his ship for him. He can't bring it home to his daughters as their household pet. No, Leviathan was a dreadful, terrifying, unruly beast, the stuff that nightmares are made of that would send shivers down the spine of any sailor who was at sea. It was a restless and relentless evil that no man could subdue. Will your companions make a banquet of him? Will they apportion him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. Never do it again. Indeed, any hope of overcoming him is false. Shall one not be overwhelmed at the sight of him? I remember growing up and the men of our church would go elk hunting once a year. And then afterwards, they would have this great elk feast and everybody would come together and have elk. But there would be no such Leviathan feasts. Whalers would use the blubber as fuel for their lamps, but there was no such selling of Leviathan scales to the merchants for jewelry for your wife. No harpoon could bring him down. If anyone tried, he would suffer a fate far worse than the whalers in Moby Dick. No one is so fierce that he would dare stir him up. Who then is able to stand against me? Who has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. Now, the Lord is making the argument here from the lesser to the greater. If no one would dare stir up Leviathan, then who can stand against the Lord? After all, Leviathan belongs to God. God commands him. Leviathan cannot go one inch beyond what God permits. Like a father with his child at the playground, God allows Leviathan to play in the sea only for as long as he wills it. This helps us to understand why God concludes his speech to Job with this fearsome creature. Job had felt that he had been the innocent victim of some terrible onslaught of evil, and indeed he had. Job didn't know it, but it was Satan, not God, who was bringing such havoc into his life. True, God did permit it, but all along God had Satan on a leash. Now God uses this terrifying sea creature, Leviathan, to show Job that he controls every evil thing. What is impossible for man to subdue, God subdues. He is sovereign over everything, even over the terrible evil that Job had suffered. Next, God goes into a detailed description of Leviathan that should cause us all to shudder. It shows us that the satanic power we wrestle against is far more formidable, terrifying, and destructive than we could ever imagine. Verse 12, I will not conceal his limbs, his mighty power, or his graceful proportions. As God boasts about the power of Leviathan, this reminds me of the description of Satan in Ezekiel chapter 28, before he fell from heaven. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, all beautifully crafted for you and set in finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. 
I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. God created Lucifer, this archangel, to be both beautiful and wise. But it all went to his head, and he desired to be like God. Therefore, he is the forerunner of everyone who is lifted up in pride and exchanges their beauty for ugliness, their wisdom for wickedness. Leviathan, the terrifying destroyer, is a picture of Satan. Who can remove his outer coat? Who can approach him with a double bridle? Who can open the doors of his face with his terrible teeth all around? His rows of scales are his pride, shut up tightly as with a seal. One is so near another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together and cannot be parted. His sneezings flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lights, sparks of fire, shoot out, smoke goes out of his nostrils as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals and a flame goes out of his mouth. So question, where do the legends of the fire breathing dragons come from anyway? Well, we find it here in the book of Job, the oldest book of the Bible. Imagine if you were a sailor at sea at night and suddenly you see the sea below with fire underneath the water and then this thing, this creature surfaces with fire coming out of its mouth like a submarine surfacing. And guess what? You're on a wooden flammable ship. Whoa, that would be scary to say the least. Strength dwells in his neck and sorrow dances before him. The folds of his flesh are joined together. They are firm on him and cannot be moved. His heart is as hard as stone, even as hard as the lower millstone. A heart like stone. What a picture of Satan. Look at how he entered Judas, how he made the Roman soldiers his puppets to mock, spit upon, and crown Jesus with a crown of thorns pressing it into his scalp. Satan is the heartless tormentor of anyone bearing the image of God. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. Because of his crashings, they are beside themselves. Though the sword reaches him, it cannot avail, nor does spear, dart, or javelin. He regards iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Slingstones become like stubble to him. Darts are regarded as straw. He laughs at the threat of javelins. No weapon of man could bring down Leviathan, and neither can we defeat Satan in our own power. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly or worldly. Satan laughs at man's feeble attempts to resist or defeat him in his own power. His undersides are like sharp potsherds. He spreads pointed marks in the mire. The underbelly of Leviathan was like sharp pieces of broken pottery, leaving a distinctive trail in the muck and mire. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. He leaves a shining wake behind him. One would think the deep had white hair, like lava in the sea. 
Leviathan's fire coming from his mouth and his nostrils caused the deep to boil, and the ocean froth of his wake looked like Santa's white beard. On earth there is nothing like him, which is made without fear. He beholds every high thing. He is king over all the children of pride. Leviathan is incomparable to any of God's other creatures. He is fearless and looks down on every high thing of man. He rules over the children of pride. Now, Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world. Paul called him the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. He is working in all those who are lifted up in pride. While they think they are masters of their own destiny, in fact, they are Leviathan's puppets. No one could control Leviathan, and no one can control Satan. Not Job, not you, and not me. Only God could set the boundaries for Satan. Only God could rule over him. Satan reared his ugly head to seek to destroy the Son of God on the cross. But that is where he went too far. For in killing God's only Son, he brought upon his own head the fatal harpoon of the only one who could defeat him. Jesus Christ broke Satan's stranglehold of sin and death on the human race. He triumphed over the powers of darkness, making a public spectacle of them for all eternity. Therefore, be aware of this formidable enemy that Satan is, but trust in the Lord with all your heart to subdue and ultimately destroy that terrible, fearsome evil. He will ultimately defeat Leviathan on the day of the Lord. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Next time, we'll see where Job's encounter with God brings him to repentance. The Lord rebukes Job's friends for not speaking rightly about him. He restores Job's losses. We hope you'll join us as we conclude the book of Job on Simply the Bible.